This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Not on public campus ministry. By the way, I really, um, we're looking, we're looking to improve our public campus ministry. If, if you want to talk to somebody that is doing that ministry successfully, I would recommend that you reach out to the Michigan Conference, uh, Pastor Ramos. I keep hearing that he's doing an amazing job with public campus ministry. Um, and it is a hard one. It is not easy, but it is extremely needed in every single conference, not just in the NAD, but the world. So, <clears throat> be a world changer, engage in mission. Uh, how many of you guys heard a lot of uh, criticism towards short-term missions? You know, the ones that are like seven days, ten days. You know, raise your hand if, if you have. You know, you're like, you've heard some comments like, I mean, let me ask you, what are some comments that you've heard that are in, in a negative way towards short mission trips? Oh, parachute mission trips. That's, I had not heard of that one. But, uh, you know, they just, what she said is they just go parachute missions where they just go dump information and then they just go back. Uh, what negative? Con- That's that's the strongest one I've heard. Uh, he just pointed out it's uh, financial. It's just not smart to do it. Instead of just raising the money and giving it to the locals so that they can do ministry, uh, that is just much better. Instead of just uh, raising all this money and then you just go and. So anyways, there's different ones, but I would like to give you some perspectives into why short mission trips are important and are catapult many times to bigger ministry. And I will point to some stuff of why. But uh, before uh, I go, as I go through the steps, you guys are going to see some of the benefits of of short-term missions, you know. um, So yeah, so that's kind of our... Our motto for, for short mission trips, changing the world one mission at a time. So in, in terms of, of steps to prepare, just so that you know that uh, even though there are negative connotations toward short mission trips, I've seen time after time the way God has worked and changed the hearts of some of the kids that have gone. As, as in, in the beginning, you know, they, they're all tough, you know, like, you know, I don't want nothing to do with this. You know, my parents sign me up. Towards the end, you have a total different person. And you're like, how did this happen in such a fast time? It is, it is quite impressive. But anyways, on, on steps, I believe it is extremely important, not only as, as you prepare for it, on what you do before the short mission trip as to what you do after the mission trip as well. And I have had several mission trips that I've organized with my wife. My wife has kind of taken the the lead on that one. Uh, She is our mission trip coordinator for Texas, and she does, she's extremely organized. I'm not, but I come in very well when things are falling apart. When things don't work the way they're supposed to work, just God has given me that that uh, 
advantage to be able to come with positivity and try to survive. So, no, no problem. Oh, you're trying to get the the clicker. Okay, perfect. All right. So, so step number one is you got to pray. As soon as you are getting your list of the people that are uh, signing up for your short mission trip, it is important that that you start praying for them. And and something I learned from a magazine where Pastor Mark Finley wrote many years ago, probably 10 years ago, it was a blue magazine, and it talked about intercessory prayer, and it changed the way I pray for people. And it said that you need to pray out loud for them. You need to let the devil... Also, sometimes I get scared, you know, what if the devil is hearing my prayers as well, and then he's going to come and attack? God is way more powerful. And so he mentioned a couple Bible verses of, of why even Jesus prayed out loud. And so I've seen the power of praying over people and mentioning their names out loud. And in, in the last one that we did, it something that I did was Write the names of the 40 people that we were taking and just claim certain things for them that I that I wanted to see after that mission trip on them. And so anyways, also pray for what country God wants you to serve. Uh, You know, as you heard in one of the sermons, I forgot who it was, but uh, yeah, I think it was last night. Yes. God might be calling you to that one place that you don't want to go. It might be your own city. It might be your own neighbors that you don't like so much. So <clears throat> pray, pray, pray uh, for God to open the doors where, where you have to go. Step number two is getting contact with the local conference or union. If needed, to take a trip beforehand. If there is no conference, you must go to the country beforehand. I got I to gotta tell you this, this step is important that you kind of go beforehand as, as you're preparing the territory because there can be a lot of surprises, even among pastors. Let me just give you a one little example. I'm not going to tell you which country it was, but we raised this money, and this pastor said, we are work, we're going to work on this project. There's going to be a church, and we need $9,000. Can you send us $7,000 beforehand so I can buy the material for you guys? I send the money, and then I go with the group, first time in the country. We get to the church, and I'm like, all right, pastor, show me where is the material. And the pastor goes to a room and shows me there's the material. It's like, uh, what? That was $7,000? Oh, yeah, you know, the material is really expensive nowadays, and... Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, so I need the other two so I can go buy the rest of the material. Um, that's like 30 pieces of plywood. Um, one shovel? I, I don't know. Um, no offense, Pastor, but it, it, it doesn't add up. Okay, so I went and I told my team, and they're like, What? You know, one shovel, there's 40 of us. This is not, not going to work, okay? How are we going to do construction? And we tried to do the first day. I mean, poor students, they were carving with their hands. Their nails were pretty much being demolished. And it's like, Pastor Tenorio, this is not going to work out for us. We need to go buy material. 
And I started to panic. I said, well, we only got two grand right now to buy everything that we need to finish this church. Uh, and so uh, and there were a couple of doctors on this trip with us, and they were furious. They were upset. And so, yeah, I said, hey, let's just go to the place. Let's just go and, and buy the stuff ourselves. And so we went, and, you know, we started doing our math of the stuff that the pastor had bought. And it didn't even complete 1,500. So the math wasn't there. And we confronted the pastor. We said, hey, this is not, we're going to have to, you know, talk to your president about this because this is not right. If you're in charge of missions for this whole country, then there's a problem. And so anyways, just to make it short, when, when you go before, all right, and, and, and if you don't have a person that you fully trust with finances, then, then it's important that you make the trip beforehand. It will save you some headaches. It will save you. Uh, that was our first mission trip. So it was our first uh, bad experience as our first uh, trip that we were organizing with my wife. But anyways, um, <clears throat> just be careful with that, and that will help. Step number three is pick a date. And remember... Uh, sometimes what is good for you may not be good for the locals, right? So pick a date that it will just pretty much uh, be good for both. And, and, and if, if you're in the U.S., just remember, uh, spring break, Thanksgiving, our last mission trip to Thailand was during Thanksgiving uh, break. And I get it. It's, it's like, oh, this is our time with family. But people are willing, and because... Uh, you know, people that are in school, they have that time off, you know, hey, this is my chance to go. I don't have to be in school. And so what was cool about our trip is as we were serving this community and for, for Thanksgiving, we just did a special dinner. You know, my wife had, uh, had packed all the, the veggie turkey rolls, and I had had to carry that over like three different airports. But we made it, and, and they didn't know. But on, on, on Thanksgiving dinner, it was special. We served it, you know, made it, a, uh, you know, uh, prepared the, the table. And then we went around saying what we were thankful for and also giving a short testimony on what, how God had impacted them so far. So it, it worked out. It can be in spring break, during the summer, or um, Thanksgiving, or I don't think I've heard of anybody doing, doing it during Christmas. But uh, those are times that people are off. Okay, step number four, search for flight prices. This is an important one. And, and if you're having some complications, if you've got to travel all the way to the other side of the world, then you will have to team up with a travel agent because you are not allowed to bypass that step. Uh, for South America and Central America, you can be your own travel agent. You can call the company directly and say, hey, I need 40 tickets. What kind of deal can you give me? And they will say, okay, yeah, we can work it out. You know, you'll get this price, which is different from what you search just by, by typing it online on, on Kayak or uh, Google Flights or whatever. If you just contact the company directly, they can give you better prices. But if you're looking to make a trip to the other side of the world, and I mean Asia or Africa or, or Europe, uh, they usually require for you, most of the companies that we call, they require for you to have a travel agent in between. 
So, of course, the travel agent, what they, you know, they find all this stuff for you, but they also charge like, I don't know, 3% or something like that. All right. Uh, so, <clears throat> step number five is figure out the estimate cost per person. Uh, one mistake that we did, um, rookie mistake, is we wanted to make it very cheap, so we charged exactly what it was going to cost us. So, ticket plus food plus lodging. We made our calculations, and that's what we charge. And then emergency happened. And that's when, if you don't have uh, a cushion to, to help you in those kind of situations, it, the money is going to have to come out, out of you, okay? Uh, sometimes you can tell everybody, hey, you know, let's, let's uh, hey, this emergency came out, so everybody's going to have to put $5, but that can be a little complicated, okay? So figure out the estimate cost per person. Uh, those are important things to have in mind. Food, flight, or bus, transportation in the location, materials, hotels, church, or school. Where are you going to sleep? Um, I believe that if, if, if you can save on the hotel, well, it also depends. The younger the crowd is, the more they're willing to be adventurous. The more they're willing to say, yeah, we'll sleep on the floor, Pastor. But if you're taking some older folks, they'll be like, what? There's not a hot shower? What? We're going to have to sleep on a sleeping bag? Uh, no, no, no. But in a sense, you know, those, those older folks as well, those adults are also the people that are helping you control the younger crowd because the younger crowd can sometimes be like, yeah, we're going to do our own thing. Uh, no, no, no. So you need a balance of both. But at the same time, if, if you have a young, young uh, team, you can make it uh, very extreme, and it, it will be a trip to remember for them. So uh, <clears throat> make sure you work with local leaders, because if you go on the trip on your own, you, you didn't contact nobody, you will get different prices. Even though you may look like a local from over there by your face or your parents or your grandparents, whatever, uh, you're, the way you dress says American all over. And they are able to detect it like that, okay, even if you don't say a word. So you will get, in most countries, different prices because they look at you as, as a dollar symbol, okay? So work with the locals so they can get you better prices for, for that, okay? Uh, step number six, all right? Uh, this, this part is important. Release your promo video. Maybe if you are a local church, you can even preach a message um, just if you've gone on a mission trip yourself, you share your own testimony, and at the end, you make an altar call for those that want to join to go on a mission trip. Uh, once, you know, people start going up, you will have different things. I remember doing this in a couple churches where it was uh, two Hispanic churches, and a lot of the youth that came forward did not have uh, the proper doc documentation to go outside of the country of the U.S. So they come to me and they say, Pastor, I want to be a missionary too. I feel God is calling me to be a missionary. What do you say? Well, you leave the country, <laughs> that's it. You can't go back to the U.S. 
short term, one year or five year, you just can't unless you go through the border and you risk your life. So I found, uh, you know, if, if you find people in that kind of situation, there is this ministry and they have their booth down there. It's called Reach the World Next Door. You can be a missionary inside of the U.S. You can go to the universities. They have one here in Houston, by the way. A whole training uh, place, and then they go to the communities of the Muslims, of the Hindus, and they reach the rest of the world inside of the U.S. That's pretty cool. So they stay in this place, and they are pretty much like local missionaries. So anyways... Uh, that would be one idea. As you release the information and you're ready, make a sermon, prepare a sermon, and at the end make an altar call, you'll have people coming forward with no idea. I don't know how I'm going to get the money, but I am coming forward because God is calling them to that. Uh, I remember with uh, my Austin church, I had several of teenagers that came forward to go on the mission trip. They, it was the one in, uh, for Guatemala. And it's like, Pastor, we have no money. Talk to the parents. They're like, yeah, we're we broke. We're barely surviving. So <laughs> there's no way they can pay 1200 for that mission trip. Okay. We started praying. God opened some doors. Somebody came in and said, how would you guys like to, you know, raise some money for Pathfinders? Uh, what? Raise some money? How? Selling books, you know, canvassing. Okay. <laughs> That's a great idea. We're trying to raise money for missions. So we grabbed some books. We went knocking on doors every Sunday and the money started to come in. And the teenagers were able to go on the mission trip. So God will provide. If He's calling you, He will open the doors for you and your youth group to go on a mission trip. Um, on the part of the, uh, of the promotions, because I work at a conference level, I, I have to push um, the envelope more on, the, on, on that part. So Instagram and our Facebook account, we released this promo video. This was the, the one for, for India. And we made one in Spanish and one in English so that... Uh, <laughs> Let's see if you guys figure out to what country. Oh, it doesn't go higher. Did you figure it out yet? Yes, India. That's right. <laughs> so... So this was our, our promo video. I'm not going to show you everything uh, due to time, but it caught. we released it at our Engage conference where we have about a 1,000 young people, and they were hooked. They were like, oh, we want to go. And it, obviously, you know, as, as you go, those are just images that, that our videographer just grabbed from YouTube and Google and different parts, but it just captivated everybody it says you know i want to go so it's a hook um you obviously when you advertise it you are going to try to appeal to whatever it is it can be that they're saying you know i had one guy that said he was i'm not gonna mention what other state okay but he said paulo i gotta go on a mission trip with you it's like and why is that 
well, I'm single and I need a missionary wife. <laughs> I said, oh, well, all right. <laughs> welcome. Welcome on board. Uh, <laughs> there's some single ladies that are going on this mission trip. You know, some can go for the wrong reasons. You know, some other person can go because, ooh, I always wanted to go to India and ride an elephant. Really? <laughs> you know, that would be my first thing. Really? But in the end, they will come back with the right reasons of why they went to that mission trip. The elephant will be the least, least of the important things that they went to and they're coming back with. So... uh you gotta, you gotta be able to appeal to those things. But once you got the group, email and text them on what to do for preparation time. Um, we've done vacation Bible school. We've done, we have done construction. We have done preaching. Uh, we've given clothes. And, and we have this one rule. As you prepare your stuff, as you go outside, it is, you, you can take two, how do you call it? Um, Two bags that you can take under under the plane, and then two carry-ons, right? And so those two bags that you're taking, one is with your clothes, and the other one is just pure donations. If you live in this country, you are in the top 2% of the richest people in the world. You can go to uh, Google it, I think, uh, How Rich I Am. There's a website. You put your income for the year. Just by being in this country, you're in the top 2% of the world. It, it, you know, to go to those countries and not leave anything behind, shame on you. So the philosophy that we have is you take one donation back and the other uh, bag that you're taking is all your clothes, your shoes, your jacket, whatever. But the rule is whatever you're taking, you leave everything behind. So on our first mission trip, I remember telling my students, at that time I was a chaplain, and, and I remember telling my students, everything that we're taking, we're all going to leave behind. And they were like, okay, yes, yes, yes. So they were ready. But some of the adults that were going to uh, help us as well, uh, they were not informed of this part. We just missed that part of communication. And they were wealthy. I mean, I'm talking about multimillionaires. And so we are there. And I remember perfectly, we're in the, in, in the yellow bus that was transporting us from one place to the other. And I told the kids, I said, all right, get your stuff ready. We're going to give everything away. And so I was like, okay, pastor. So they're getting everything ready. They're uh, going behind the bus and the people are making a line. Everybody's just to, you know, even dirty clothes and stuff. But people were in line. They just, you know, wanted whatever they could get. And so inside the bus, I see I, I'm coming in to grab some of my stuff. And I see uh, the two wives of these two uh, rich people, right? And they're like this. And I said, hey, um, what's wrong? Everything okay? Well, we didn't know that we were supposed to leave everything behind. You know, I, I brought some very expensive stuff. And I said, well, you don't have to leave it behind. That's okay. Just keep it. <sighs> we should have been told. And so, why? Wow, what do you have? Well, my Gucci purse and my jacket that is Armani. And I don't know what expensive brands she was, they were mentioning, both of them, because they were both in there upset. 
And so I said, well, just don't worry. Just keep it. They probably won't even know the difference between an expensive purse and a, one that is cheap. So it, it's all right. So I went back out, and we kept on giving. And then I see the two ladies come with their bags and stuff. Here, take it, take it. <laughs> just give it, give it away. Give it. So it was just interesting how God had worked in their hearts because they had seen the necessity. And so uh, they truly had to give from the best that they had and because it hurt them, okay? But anyways, preparation time is, is key as you, as you talk to them and, and you prepare for, for the steps. Um, in preparation time, it is, uh, we added this one part, and I love it. I love it. This, this part we added on the last mission trip, and it is they have to read a book before they go on the mission trip. But they don't just read a book on any subject. They read a book on somebody that has gone for more than a week as a missionary. In this case, I like these two books right here. And one of them, um, the one that we made them read was Brusco. He went as a missionary to, to these, you know, indigenous, and he spent his whole life over there pretty much sacrifice coolest story if you have uh you know an opportunity to read it read it It is amazing so when they sign up they got to pay up front five hundred dollars that is not refundable why do i do that because if they pull last minute on me at least i have 500 i don't lose everything on the ticket and usually to change a ticket from one name to another name it's hard you know and it costs some money so I know that when they're paying their $500, the first payment, and they know that it's not refundable, they're committed to the mission trip. And they're not going to, oh, yeah, I had some school. Oh, no, I had some issues with my grandparents or whatever. No. Once they're committing with those 500 they know it will hurt them if they cancel on the mission trip. So also in that part of the contract, we made them sign that they're also going to read the book. And that is included on the package. Uh, that book is like, $10. So we mail it to everybody that has signed up for the mission trip and they read it and then we call them and we ask them questions. It's an oral exam. And so we know if they're, if they read it or they're just trying to, well, I don't remember too well. Well, you know, just uh, refresh it again and call me back. So, oh, oh, to many of them, you know, it was annoying, but it worked perfectly because as they were finishing the book it's like this book is amazing and they were talking about it uh, already with some expectations they prepare their mindset of service uh before the the mission trip so uh that's something that we've added that has that has worked pretty well uh it's it's important that you do relationships okay relationships are important some of the complaints from the local people uh, read read this one it says we don't have much interactions with the groups only when they need materials nothing more they do not share anything with us they buy sodas only for themselves and drink them in front of the honduran construction workers that are with them without offering them one so they eat on their own as much as you can all right? And we went to Thailand, but we were not staying in the school that we were serving. And we're thinking already with my wife, what if our kids, you know, what if the people that we're taking, that we sleep in the same place where they're sleeping? And if I were to show you some of the pictures of where they sleep, 
it was, it's crowded. And, and it's just, you know, pretty much a piece of wood. And you put your, it's kind of like a towel, pretty much. And that's where you sleep. It will create a bigger impact. If you get to shower they where they shower, poop where they poop, and sleep where they sleep. But, of course, you got to take a, a group that will know in advance the sacrifice that you're going to make. Because some people are used to the comfort of the U.S. I mean, just even traveling to Germany, um, where there was the, the Youth Congress for, for the world, uh, there was no A.C., in the hotels. And I was like, oh, oh, this is so hard. You know, it's, it's, it's so hot in here. It's, it's summer. How can they not have AC? So uh, it can change the, moods, the mood of certain people. So if you tell them beforehand, they're mentally preparing themselves for the trip. And they're like, I can do this. I can do this. God can help me to accomplish this. It's a short mission trip, so at the time that they get used to it, it's already time to come back, right? But uh, they need to be mentally prepared. So step number eight, uh, I love it, is the prayer journal. That's another part I've added in everything that I can in, in, in ministry. I've added in summer camp. I've added on the mission trips. Whenever I can, I tell people, buy a prayer journal and start writing on it. Write your experiences with God, with the Bible, what God is telling you. And so we tell them, uh, we also send them a prayer journal beforehand so that they can start writing their expectations on the mission trip. And then during the mission trip, how is God answering certain prayers that they had? And so it is, it is cool because at the end, it's also part of their contracts. Once they go back to their churches, they're all supposed to preach sharing their testimony of what happened in the mission trip. No excuses. You go on the mission trip with us, you're supposed to share with your church. Oh, but I'm shy. Don't worry. In the mission trip, we're going to break you so that you are not shy anymore. But you will go back being able to share about your experiences with God. And, and many times we make the mistakes of thinking that because you're shy or an introvert, you, you can't serve. But on this last mission trip, I remember this one girl that wouldn't say more than two words. She'll always be quiet. Always. It's like, wow, this girl is not making an impact. She's not talking, not even to the Americans. Wow. And then at the end of the mission trip... Two girls, two local girls that she had uh, ministered to. Uh, we just didn't see how she ministered, but they were both crying in there. Nobody cried with me that I'm an extrovert. Nobody came, oh, why are you leaving us? No, but with her, they were both crying right there, and she was crying with them, you know, and they were praying. So, so um, as, as you prepare, you, you, you write those things. In, in your prayer journal, and you're able to grab materials well later on to be able to share with your church. Uh, <clears throat> another one, step number nine, is double check with travel agent, hotels, transportations, local leaders. And step number 10, be ready for complications. They happen, but they make everything better. There was one mission trip where I cried four times, four times, in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to do this? <laughs> and they were like, it's okay, Pastor. It's okay. We'll make it. You know, it was just bad after bad after bad. 
And, and you're thinking, it can't get worse. No, it did. And so I was like, never again. I'm doing a mission trip. This is it. But that is the close. We grew so close. It was so amazing. And uh, I don't know. How, how many minutes do I have left? Ten minutes? Okay, let me, let me just share. It was on this one right here. Many of them had not even left the U.S. Uh, the, the Laromoso. How do you say Laromoso? Uh, the flight attendant, he made a joke on them. And he's like, hey, guys, uh, if, if you get out from the plane, uh, the monkeys will attack your hair. So, so you got to cover your head with a blanket, okay, from the plane. And uh, so girls, especially you, be careful with the attacks from the monkey. They will pull your hair and stuff. And look what they did. They covered their heads. I was laughing. And, and I took the picture. And now they laugh about it, too. It was the first time out of this country. They don't know what to expect, right? And so this, this flight attendant decided to pull uh, a prank on them. So anyways, on that trip right there with that group, we were stuck in Houston in the airport. We come, it's like, we're ready to go. Yes, yes. And then the plane never came because the weather was bad for 30 minutes. And so it went to Dallas instead of coming to Houston. And what happened? There was a lot of miners. Miners are only allowed to travel with me. So with that company, we were only, could only put them two or three at a time at different flights and different times. So I said, I can't do that. They're miners. They got to travel with me. Oh, sir, then you're going to have to wait and blah, blah. So they had us running. I remember at 3 a.m., they'll call my room in the hotel, and they'll be like, uh, sir, uh, there is uh, an opportunity for you and your group to, to go. Um, um, you got to be by the door at 4 a.m. What? Yes. All right. Thank you. Bye. Start calling them. Let's go, guys. Let's go. Uh, uh. With, with, with the, imagine, two carry-ons plus the, the two donation bags that they're taking, running around through, through the airport of Houston. It was horrible. And then making it there, and they're telling, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, we only have three spaces. What? We need 20 because we had split the group. My wife had gone with one. I stayed with one. We stayed for two days in the airport. And after two days, I was ready to quit. And so I grabbed the group and I said, look, guys, we'll refund all your money. Just go home. Just call your parents. Mission trip is off. So they look at each other. No, pastor. We're going to stay. We got to go to Peru. So we pray again, and once again, the hustling from one side of the airport to the other, until finally it came through. We went to Georgia, from Georgia to El Salvador, from El Salvador to Lima, Peru, from Lima, Peru to Iquitos, which is the jungle. And then from Iquitos, we were supposed to take a boat, okay? So imagine how tired we are. We are destroyed, and we are in this boat, okay? And, and, and it's just going... And we're like knocked out, right? And then the boat goes in the middle of the Amazon River. And uh, we're like, what is happening? And so we see the guy in the back. And nothing. After like 20 minutes of the guy, poor guy, he was just like, ha. You know, one of our, one of our girls, uh, you know, Abigail, she's 17. She says, Pastor Tenorio, I think we should all pray together. And I was tired. 
you got to understand, I was cranky, I was upset. And in my mind, I was like, oh, here comes a spiritual person. There's always one in the group. <laughs> Try, trying to spiritualize everything. This is all happening in my head, you know. Yes, of course, I should have said that because I'm the pastor. But yes, Abigail, uh, why don't you pray for all of us, okay? Let's pray. All right, Abigail, go ahead. So she prays. It's just like, God, you know, please, we're tired. We want to make it. We want to serve the kids from, from the jungle. Please make the boat work so we can make it in the name of Jesus. Because the guy is not Adventist. I mean, he doesn't know what we're talking about. He just kept on going during the whole prayer. But when she said, in the name of Jesus, and I, I mean, I get goosebumps, okay? Because, because they were all like, oh. <laughs> another miracle. Because it was miracle after miracle. I mean, I'm not sharing you everything that happened on that trip. But I, I, I mean, you got to understand, it was just a kid came like from the VBS, just dead. I mean, not dead, but unconscious, whatever. <laughs> you know, because... You know, it was like Bible times, you know, you're, how you imagine it, you know. And so the guy, one of the counselors is bringing, hey, this kid is not responsive. So the doctor comes, checks, oh, this is not good. Uh, guys, pray. By this time, I know that prayer is extremely important, right? <laughs> so, so it's like, yes, yes, everybody, let's start praying. We start, you know, we start praying. And at the end of the prayer, once again, this kid just goes <coughs> and gets up. We're seeing miracle after miracle, and, and, and it's just, um, like, for example, that girl, she was the toughest girl in my church. I'm not going to mention her name, but she pretty much hated me, all right? She, I remember she came one day, and she's like, hey, uh, here, somebody's here for you. I said, what? So I picked up the phone, and I said, hello, who is this? Uh, and it was the previous pastor. You know, the previous youth pastor. And she's like, talk to him. He can give you some tips on how to be a good youth pastor. I was like, oh, oh, oh hello, pastor. How are you? Uh, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah, God bless you. So, but when I preached and I made that altar call on, on, you know, who wanted to go on this mission trip, she was one of the ones that came up. And on this trip, it was... Uh, you know, I was hesitant. I'm not going to take this feisty girl. No, no. But, but somehow the Lord just made it happen that she went. And it was amazing to see her growth. Never active in front of the church. Never doing anything. But here I said, hey, you're going to be in charge of this and this and this. What? Uh, you know I don't do that. You know I can't do that. You know I don't. Well, sorry, this is the mission field. We don't have nothing else. All right, bye, bye. And so... Then I come back and she's like fully engaged. And, and you could see how she changed towards the end of the mission trip. It was a different person. And when she went back home, also, she was serving here and there, even preaching, sharing her testimony. And she was put to work in the church that had never used her before. So, so here's the thing, you know, you're going to, you're going to, when, when you got to give, uh, it's kind of like a, like a steroid shot. You know, it's different when you take an ibuprofen, all right, versus when you get an, a, a, a steroid shot. It's just one works a lot faster and a lot stronger than the other one. 
And that's what I feel is uh, with short mission trips. If you're intentional about it, if you make them talk about it, and, and, and during the mission trip, it is important. I have this um, by Steve Case. He has this Maranatha questions. So I bought them, and during the mission trip, as we're on the trip, you know, uh, or we're usually going from the church to the school or whatever, they sit down and they talk about these questions that are very intentional. And so I give it out, and I say, talk about it. And then I, I go to the other, hey, talk about it. And so they break into groups, and they talk about it. There is no dead time that you shouldn't make them talk about the things that are happening during the mission trip. So, um, uh for example, my life changed during a mission trip. I was 17 years old. I was serving one year in Korea. My life changed. That's why I became a pastor. And that's why I'm very passionate about this ministry. And so, um, let me show you this. Okay, I'm just going to read this part, one of the testimonies. But she said, even though I know that he hears every prayer, it was overwhelming to see him answer them instantly, at least four or five times just on that trip alone. Then she says, it has definitely opened my eyes and also made it easier to share my story with other people outside of the church. Because of the awesomeness of the whole experience, this is so key, experience, I can do it in a way that is not too preachy for people who don't want to hear about God, but still lets them know at least about one personal experience when doing God's work. And I believe if you haven't had an experience with Jesus, you're in trouble. You need to have one. Because Satan will bring doubt into your life. When problems and storms come, he's going to bring doubt into your life. And you're going to be like, is God real? Does he care about my prayers? But when you have those experiences with God, you can go back to that experience. And say, no, I remember that time he answered our prayers. I remember that time this happened on that trip. So um, I'll finish with, okay, this guy, another tough guy. Um, I wasn't too sure about, you know, if I should take him or not. But then uh, one year, one year after the mission trip to India, he was preaching for Global Youth Day. Shy kid. But stepping out of his comfort zone. Because he already has done it on the mission field. Now he is stepping out of his comfort also in his church. So... Um, On this last one, I do? Oh, okay. Let me share this. It's really, really, uh, you also got to be aware of your surroundings. But I don't think uh, you're going to be able to hear the sound. But I'm going to play it. This is in Thailand, all right? The, the recent mission trip that we did is probably a month ago. And right there, you see that right there? That's a shrine. And that right there, it's a little tree house, Right? And I'm pointing it. So remember that little tree house right there. So, I, you know, me being a little kid, all right, even though I'm the leader of the group, I'm like, look, a tree house. Let's go in it. <laughs> so, you know, then I, I hear, yeah, that's where, uh, you know, I asked, of course, permission. I said, hey, can I go uh, to check the tree house? And it's like, yeah, one of the monks used to live there. And so, you know, okay, cool. But nobody's there no more? So, yeah, nobody's there no more. 
Okay, so I open it, and so I go up, and I go in, and two other teenagers and some of the two adults follow me. So let's follow Pastor Tenorio. They go inside, and as we're inside, I feel this, you know, it's very few moments where I felt, you know, like a type of presence, you know, kind of like, I don't know if I'm making sense with, but, but it, I felt like there was a strange feeling into this little tree house of this monk. Okay. And, and, and I, I looked around, it was, I was like, I don't know, you know, I, I talk, I talk. And so I say, Hey guys, do you feel any, anything weird in here? And then one of the girls, you know, she's like, yeah, I do. It's kind of creepy. Um, and right there, I say, okay, guys, all right, uh, let's go out. <laughs> okay, all right, that's enough. <laughs> enough with the treehouse. Okay, let's go out. And so <clears throat> we go out, and uh, we proceed, and uh, nothing happened, right? First day, second day. And then my wife comes and says, you need to talk to, to these two people. I say, why? They've been having strange dreams. I said, what? Okay. So I go, I call. You know, one of them was a teenager, and the other one was uh, a grown woman on her 40s. So I sit them down. I say, hey, what's going on? Well, Pastor Tenorio, you know, we went inside that little tree house, uh, and uh, I think we both agree that uh, it's that place because... We had the same nightmare twice, and we woke up both at 2.30 a.m. with the same type of nightmare. Our, our pets were dying or whatever. So, you know, I'm like, okay, mm, yeah, not a smart idea to go into the treehouse. So we start talking, and, you know, and, and then I said, you know, are you giving a foothold to the devil in any part of your life? And so we start talking, and this opened the door for something that I was not expecting. And one of the girls says, uh, Pastor, I got something to confess. Okay. Just don't worry. I heard so many things. You won't surprise me. She says, well, I'm pregnant. And you're probably the third person to know. Well, let's talk about it. And so it opened the door for, you know, something that she would not have shared because this person was, you know, a front, tough, you know, wasn't even going to church. I didn't know. This, uh, they sign up. And so they sign up. Also, they're going to follow the SDA uh, rules and stuff. But it opened the door for the spiritual and I said, you know, God is way more powerful than the devil. And you don't have to fear the devil. Yes, we went in there. We didn't know what it was, but that's all right. Today, we're going to claim that God is more powerful. And today, you guys are not going to have none of that stuff no more. And so they were both like, okay, all right, let's pray. And surrender everything to God, I said. So we, we all pray, and then they went back. And what do you think happened that night? Nightmares were gone. Scary feelings, you know, that a shadow was following, were gone. 
because God is more powerful. And I don't know what it is about mission trips, but it opens the door for all these spiritual things to happen that are so powerful that let you know that God is real. And that when you come back home, you're not lukewarm, but you're actually on fire for the Lord. So connect them to a long-term mission. This is, I believe, the most important part. Because a short-term mission, as much as it catches the fire really fast, it can go out really fast as well. And so if you connect them to a long-term mission, then you have succeeded. You have done a good job. And I believe that is key. And and I agree, it's a lot of money that you got to raise in order to go. But here's the thing, you know. If I go to Cancun with my wife, I'm going to spend... $2,000. $2,000. It's pretty much the same money that I can go on a mission trip. Why not let these Americans, instead of going on a vacation, go on a vacation where they're serving God and their lives can change for the long term? I'd rather take that. Instead of giving my money to Cancun, I'm going to invest it because my mission field is the people that are going on that trip. That is the key part that you need to understand. As I'm praying for them, as I'm talking to them, as I'm witnessing to them, as they're paying attention to the locals, I'm paying attention to them. Because when they go back home, I want them to be on fire for Jesus. So, connect them to a long-term mission. There's a lot of different programs. And I'm going to give you guys up here in the front. Oh, I I thought you were saying. All right, so... Right there. So connect them to a long-term mission. And right here on this, on this, uh, thank you, Pastor Gary. You're going to find out different options, okay? And I like to be very transparent, so I did the homework for you. And right there it tells you, all right, uh, how much is going to cost you, how much you got to raise, what are you got to come out with. But uh, do it. It will change your life, your calling, and uh, where you're going to end up going. On this last mission trip to Thailand, we did something that we were not expecting. We had never done before. But we said, hey, guys, this school needs, you know, a farm. They need to be able to sustain themselves. Let's raise some money. And we needed to complete 2500 and we completed $2,502. This is from students, teenagers. And then one of the doctors had gone up as well, and he said, well, I'm going to match your offering. So we raised a total of 5000 for the local people there, that Seventh-day Adventist school that was working with the refugees from the country of Burma. Okay, Burma or Burma? I'm not saying it right, but oh well. I had... I don't know if, if, if you see this person right here as the youth pastor. He was a youth pastor in California, but he got the call to go as a missionary, not just short term, but long term. And he was serving right there in Thailand. And, and I had him preach for the Thanksgiving dinner. I had him preach. And then I told him at the end, I want you to make an altar call for long term commitment for our, our missionaries to commit to a year, two years or five years. And so he made an altar call, and you see the people that went up? They all committed to long-term mission. 
uh, I don't know if you see this person right here, Timothy. Um, I don't think I can display what he does for a living, but it's, he works from his computer, okay? Let's just put it that way. From his computer, okay, he can do a lot of things. And he says, you know what, Paulo? I have six kids, a wife. Uh, I live out in the country, but I'm going to take my family. And I thought at first he was all bluff. You know, I was like, you know, <laughs> such a big family. You're older. I don't think so. But he messaged my wife and says, I want the information of the school. I'm taking my whole family on a, on a two-week trip. And then we'll figure out how we can settle there for a long-term mission. These are the miracles of short-term missions. That's why I think it's a very well worth, in, worth investment. Because that's how I see it. Investment. Because if those teenagers become faithful Seventh-day Adventist members, they will tithe and they will give offering. It's worth it. Don't disqualify because you're thinking you're just taking them to take selfies with children. It changes their lives. But connect them to long-term mission. So that's pretty much it. If uh, you have questions, this is the time. Right? Uh, do we have like two minutes or one minute, 30 seconds? Four minutes. Okay. Any questions? And I'm going to ask my wife because uh, she's... Uh, just in case, be ready, okay? All right, any questions? All right, it's pretty much. Yes. Okay, so he's asking, how can you pursue it more into what you are uh, a professional about it, qualify about it? Uh, there's different websites that you can go to. Uh, and like, for example, in this one right here, you can tell them, hey, this is, these are my strengths, okay? I would like to serve in one of my strengths, what God has given me. And they will help you connect and put you in the right place, the right location, so that you can serve. I remember before I went as a missionary, we had to go to a training. I went through a 1,000 missionary movement, amazing ministry. Uh, they had a training center in Kentucky. And so they put us there. I was 17 years of age, okay? And they put us there to train. I barely had a year in this country. Didn't know that much English. But after, you know, training us for a month, they will call us into this room, all right, one by one. And they will tell us. All right, Robert, you're going to go to Kazakhstan, and you're going to be working with, uh, as a dean. Oh, wow. Okay, so he'll come out, and we'll be like, What's so where? Kazakhstan. We'll be like, yeah, awesome, man. So now it was my turn, and so I go in there, and I sit down, and you got to understand, uh, I was never a public speaker, and it was one of the things that I questioned in my calling for to be a pastor, because my heart will start just going crazy whenever I would stand up or, or just raise my hand for a prayer request. So anyway, so I'm there, I'm sitting, and so they tell me, Paolo, you're going to be teaching English. <laughs> what? <laughs> Perdón, ¿qué dijo? <laughs> se, se equivocó, ¿verdad? <laughs> 
Yes, and you will be teaching in South Korea. So you want me to be a teacher and teach English? I don't get it. I don't, I, the Lord will bless you and he will make you capable. Go. We'll let you know when you depart. So I go out and the missionaries are waiting and they're like, so where, Paolo, where are you going? What are you doing? I'm going to Korea. Yeah! I'm going to be teaching English. What? It's like, yeah, pray for me. So it was, it was so interesting. Even though it wasn't my strength at all, God made me capable of doing something that I never thought I would be able to do. I remember calling different teachers, hey, give me tips. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then after that, it was just like I couldn't stop talking in front of people. I was like, what happened to these kids? You know, teenagers that were, when I was a teenager, from my same church, one heard me preach uh, four months ago. And I was preaching to a thousand young adults. And she was one in, in the crowd. And she's like, what happened to you? You were not like this. She said, well, the Lord happened. Because in your weakness, the Lord will grab it and make it your strength. Just how Pastor Gary said, you know, now that's why he's the World Youth Director. I mean, you did use it, right? Yeah, that's how it works. We're good friends, so we go back and forth. So anyways, so even if it is not your strength, I would say do it, okay? If God is calling and God has impressed those leaders, God will use it. Your weakness to make it your strength, okay? And, uh, um, but nevertheless, if you're a professional, you already have a career. Even down in the booth, uh, I was just talking to the, the union of, uh, for the countries of Iraq and Yemen and Jordan and Lebanon. It's down there. They also have amazing opportunities for, for long-term mission. Uh, look around. These, these are the perfect places. You know, I just gave you some other options right there that you can look into. God will bless you, and you will definitely step out of your comfort zone as you go out into the field. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.